1: You're watching Global BC.
2: This is
1: Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Global News has learned some new information tonight about a double murder that's rocked the Vancouver neighborhood of Marpole.
3: A couple in their 60s found dead in their home last week. Rumina Dea has more on this. And, Rumina, some of the details are gruesome,
4: but important to investigators. What was the motive? That's the glaring, unanswered question tonight, Sophie. What we have uncovered will give the public some insight as to what police are dealing with. An elderly couple found dead in their home, extremely rare. Less than 1% of homicides fit this profile, says a former cop-turned-criminologist. In his opinion, the murders of 65-year-old Diana Ma Jones and her husband Richard Jones appear to be targeted.
5: Uh, someone who is known to them, someone who's familiar with the residence, and someone who procured that weapon at the scene.
4: A police source at the scene says a hatchet was left behind on the lawn.
5: They were careless enough to leave the weapon at the scene, which to me reflects a disorganized offender, meaning it was not premeditated, it was impulsive. And when they left, they were um, not in their right mind and, and probably didn't realize that they left behind the weapon.
4: Sources tell us the bodies were hacked up, adding that what happened has never been seen before by first responders who will need help to cope with what they witnessed. Police not commenting on the evidence or potential suspects.
6: They were really just
5: uh, unable to restrain themselves and then not acting rationally as a result, including leaving the weapon there. And no doubt walking out in plain view of other homes that, uh, where there were occupants who could identify them.
4: Vancouver police say they still don't know if the killings were targeted or random. No one has been arrested. Sophie, Ramina Dea reporting tonight. Thanks, Ramina.
2: A B.C. man is thankful to be home tonight after his brush with death in Las Vegas. He was at the Country Music Festival with his wife and friends when the bullets started flying, one of them passing right through his abdomen. Joe Bennett has more on how they escaped and the
6: toughest call he had to make. This was, yeah, a lot of me... Kevin
7: Sears holds up the shorts he was wearing Sunday night in Las Vegas. He and his wife were at the concert with friends when the shooting started. At first, he says, no one knew what was happening.
6: I looked over to my, to my left, and some lady was screaming that her husband or her boyfriend had been shot.
7: Not knowing where the bullets were coming from, the crowd, including Sears and his wife Colleen, dropped to the ground. He then used his body to shield her.
6: Then a, a third barrage of uh, rounds of fire came out and that's when I got hit. We were in this, you know, the main field right in front of the stage, so uh, we were basically sitting ducks.
7: Fearing the shooting would start up again, the couple then tried to find cover.
6: I just said to her, I says, we got to go to the stage. Uh, so we started to crawl. Um, over some bodies, over people.
7: They then hid under the stage and listened as more gunfire started up. Even though Sears had been shot in the back, that wasn't the toughest part of the night.
6: One of the uh, one of the hardest things was is to phone my son from under the stage and, and say, doing? "I said, Brock, I might not make it home." <laughs>
7: Moments later, Sears was put in a police car with two other injured men and rushed to hospital, leaving his wife behind. I was able to get in touch with my
8: family and my friends to reunite. And then once I got the call from Kevin that he was going to be okay, I felt like I could breathe again.
7: Back home, Sears says it all seems surreal.
6: It most likely hit one of my ribs Um, the bullet fragmented so it shattered and then it exited out about uh, six inches around under my armpit.
7: Sears says he's lucky. He'll be healed physically in a few months. Traveling to the U.S. again though, that will take a lot longer. Jill Bennett, Global News.
9: Go, run, keep your head down, go, keep your head down, go.
3: And this is new video showing the chaos outside the Route 91 Music Festival as concertgoers fled, some still not realizing what was going on and that the bullets were real. Our Paul Johnson covering this tragedy for us in Las Vegas tonight. Paul, a number of new developments tonight, uh, including that authorities believe the gunmen had help.
10: yeah Sophie, that's a theory that they're working with. Now, to be clear, they think... There was only one shooter, and that that shooter was Stephen Paddock. But he had amassed such a sophisticated array of weapons and used them so effectively, they suspect he may have had help from somebody setting this up. We know how he did it, with a massive arsenal of weapons. But the question of why Stephen Paddock unleashed the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history is still unanswered. Today, investigators are trying to track down an unidentified woman who may have been spotted with Paddock in the days leading up to the shooting. Officials still believe he may have had help. You've got to make the assumption that he had to have some help at some point. There are also reports the shooter may have been researching other large-scale music events across the U.S. He may have even booked rooms in a Chicago hotel that overlooked the site of the Lollapalooza Music Festival. Paddock's girlfriend, who was in the Philippines at the time of the shooting, returned to the States to be questioned by authorities. But in a statement read by her attorney, she says she too was in the dark.
0: He never said anything to me or took any action that I was aware of that I understood in any way to be a warning that
10: something horrible like this was going to happen. In Washington, Congress could look at new laws to ban bump stocks, a device used in the shooting that converts rifles into fully automatic weapons.
11: Right now, our focus, as we've
7: said over the last couple of days, has been on healing and uniting the country. Uh, The investigation still continues to be in very early stages. We know that both members of both parties and uh, multiple organizations are planning to take a look at bump stocks and related devices. We certainly welcome that. would like to be part of that conversation.
10: In the meantime, investigators continue to look for new leads. We will get to the bottom of this, no matter how long it takes. Paul Johnson, Global News, Las Vegas.
3: And Paul, some good news for Canadian victims treated in hospital in Vegas. You have found out there is aid that they can apply for.
10: Yeah, there is actually. So um, this could really be valuable to some of these injured Canadians that we've been profiling. Um, I spoke with a state official today and there is this victims of crime fund that they have available here in the state of Nevada. It's usually money that goes to help American citizens who've been victims of crimes and ended up in hospitals here. They will make this available, though, to the Canadian victims of this tragedy. They'll have to apply. But what it will mean is it will mean their hospital bills for the treatment they've had here will be covered. They'll be on their own for whatever treatment they need when they come back to Canada or time off work. But those big hospital bills from the hospitals here can be covered by the state of Nevada. Great news.
3: Wow. That will certainly help. All right, thanks for that, Paul.
2: Now, RCMP are calling it one of the most sophisticated drug rings to sell fentanyl and carfentanyl on a global scale, and it originated in Kelowna, operating on what's known as the dark web. Two people were arrested after an investigation that included law enforcement agencies across the globe. Kelly Hayes reports.
12: These um, mailer envelopes would have been placed into these black um, bags for shipment. The project in file: Kelowna RCMP,
13: have shut down what they describe as a sophisticated drug organization that was selling fentanyl and carfentanil in Canada and overseas. Police say the sales were made using the dark web, a layer of the internet where criminals have been known to sell their wares.
12: The drugs were were then trafficked, uh, utilizing the dark web and and again throughout Canada, uh, the United States, Europe and Australia.
13: James Nelson and his spouse, Cassie Bonthu, were arrested in connection with the investigation. So far, they have not been charged, but if charged, could make a court appearance in December. They own this store on Pandosi Street called Duke and Duchess Apparel. It was raided on August 10th. RCMP also raided their home in the Black Mountain area. We caught up with Nelson and Banthu today as they were leaving their store. You want to say something? They drive away, but stop and back up. What's up? Are you Cassie Bonthu?
8: Why?
13: You're alleged to have been dealing fentanyl and There There is no. The investigation into the trafficking organization began in September of 2016 when Kelowna RCMP discovered packages from Kelowna that were being mailed across North America.
12: It was as many as 25 packages that were seized by investigators and uh, they were allegedly destined for uh, Canadian uh, addresses as well as uh, internationally through uh, the United States, Europe and Australia. Um, Two unsecure firearms were also seized uh, during the execution of those search warrants along with 68,000 in USD Bitcoin.
13: Police say the arrest will put a significant dent in the
12: selling of fentanyl and carfentanil. It has been indicated uh, that it may be one of the most significant and perhaps the most sophisticated uh, fentanyl and carfentanil trafficking and exportation uh, operations that have been discovered here in Canada.
13: And that the bust may have saved lives. It's likely prevented um, many deaths. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Kelowna.
3: Nordell Way reopened late this afternoon, hours after investigators were on scene for a fatal crash. It happened just after 12 noon eastbound at Highway 91, closing traffic in both directions. It's believed an SUV heading west crossed the center median, striking that yellow truck. The driver of the SUV was pronounced dead at the scene. RCMP are investigating after a postal carrier was robbed in Surrey this morning. It happened in the 9800 block of 123 Street. RCMP say a man armed with a machete demanded that the carrier give him the mail. The postie tried to use his keys to distract the thief. Instead, the suspect grabbed them and then took off in a vehicle. A witness was able to take down the license plate and police later managed to locate that vehicle and suspect a driver who was detained for questioning. Nanaimo RCMP are investigating a violent robbery at a local beer and wine store. It happened last Saturday. The suspect, believed to be male, entered the store wearing a scream mask and waving a knife and a baseball bat. He made off with an undisclosed amount of cash. Anyone with information is asked to call Nanaimo RCMP.
2: Well, now that it's fall, water restrictions probably aren't top of mind. But on the Sunshine Coast, the situation has reached crisis levels. Residents are dealing with stage four restrictions, and Aaron MacArthur explains how that's impacting the community, including why there's no hockey for
14: some. Normally by now the ice and seashell would have been in for a month already. Not this year. A summer with too much sunshine has seen the sunshine coast parched. Stage four water restrictions have meant there isn't enough water to flood the rink.
1: We are putting out this year 15 teams and you can't just you can't do that with just one rink without having two and three teams on the ice at the same time.
14: The regional district says the situation is dire and it needs to protect what little water there is. Human consumption must come first.
6: Building the ice sheet itself takes about 40,000 litres and then uh, to run the plant, which is water-cooled, It takes about about as much again.
14: It's more than just about ice. The ban applies to all outdoor uses. No lawns, no gardens, no car washes. Soccer fields have been left to their own devices. The Soccer Association says it means with no fixed schedule, kids are hurting.
5: It means they're not getting out as often and participating in sport, which probably isn't good for any kid. Frustrating. Frustrating, for sure.
2: Chapman Creek is one of the
14: main water supplies for the Sunshine Coast. You can see how low it is. Three out of the last six years, the Sunshine Coast has been on a stage four water restrictions. But to fix it, the district needs the provincial government's help. Chapman Creek flows straight out of a provincial park.
15: The province has been very receptive to a hearing from us about our need for additional water. And uh, uh, BC Parks is is actively working on moving uh, the matter forward.
14: But with no significant rain in the forecast, it could be weeks before kids are playing anything other than floor hockey in Sechelt. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
3: A close call for a hunter near Cranbrook. He and his son were elk hunting near Fernie when the two got separated as they tracked their prey. Jake Blackmore didn't even notice the mama bear and her cub until she was right on top of them. How he survived in just over a minute.
2: Police descend upon an escape room business in Edmonton, and it wasn't part of the game. Why they handcuffed two customers and the irony behind that arrest later
3: and a very close call for an ex-marine living right next to train tracks you won't believe where neighbors found him when some of the cars crashed through his house
2: but first not many people live to talk about being attacked by a grizzly bear but a cranbrook hunter is now a member of that exclusive club
3: jake blackmore the son of bountiful bc leader winston blackmore was hunting with his son when before he knew it an angry grizzly was on him A warning, some of these pictures are graphic. John
11: Hua reports. For Jake Blackmore and his son, elk was the day's target. Tell that to the grizzly bear that
9: saw him as prey. I heard a noise just over my shoulder and I looked around to see the mother bear coming from my left at full speed. The son of bountiful B.C.
11: polygamist Winston Blackmore says he tried to fight off the bear in the forest near Fernie. That's when the grizzly got a hold of his leg.
9: Got me right on the inside of my leg right here and picked me up and shook me like I was uh, basically like a rag doll. And I shot from my hip.
11: Blackmore says he was able to get a shot off at the grizzly grazing its face.
9: And I heard a gunshot. And I was like, "Oh well, dang, you guys... Going back to dad
11: <laughs> but it was the grizzly's cub credited with sparing his life
9: I believe that her having a baby with her is what uh, what gave me the chance
11: this is what survival looks like 28 stitches as for the bear conservation officers choosing not to destroy it but observe the animal until hibernation
9: I don't think this was a bad bear that we had an encounter with she had uh, her baby and I'm sure she was trying to protect it.
11: Blackmore says the lesson is to better scout the area before heading deep into the woods.
9: This is the first time we've had a, an actual encounter where one of us got hurt. A close
11: call this father and son will recount for years to come. John Hua, Global News.
2: 2011 seems so long ago for the Vancouver Canucks, doesn't
6: it? They're rebuilding, so what are we going to do, right? You know, We've got to go through it, we've got to go through it.
2: On the verge of a brand-new season, what are their chances at a run for the Cup?
3: And thanks for giving. We'll check in on Global's massive effort to feed the needy. The Canucks kick off their regular season this Saturday at Rogers Arena.
2: But despite some big roster changes, there's not a lot of hope at this point for a run for the Cup. Ted Chernecki is outside Rogers Arena for us. And Ted, expectations rightfully are low.
1: Well, diehard Canucks fans will know what that statue behind me is all about. The late Roger Nielsen holding a white towel on a stick. It was a protest against officiating during a playoff game. This year, the Canucks' odds of winning the Cup are really stacked against them, but they are far from throwing in the towel. And got the hat-trick. With arguably the best player in the game, who scored all three goals last night, by the way, it's been a long time since expectations have been higher in Edmonton. The Oilers are here Saturday for the Canucks season opener, where expectations have rarely been lower. I don't care
2: for McDavid, to be honest. I'm a diehard Canucks fan. I think uh, the Sedins still have it, and they're going to come back this year, so that's what I believe. We got one more year. We got
1: it this year. Ah, but the odds makers disagree. The BC Lottery Corporation has the Pittsburgh Penguins' favourites to win the cup again at 8-1, to very close behind the Oilers at 8.5-1. Looking further down the list, and the Leafs and Habs are at 15 to 1, and way down here, the Canucks at 90 to 1, tied with franchise startup Las Vegas Golden Knights. It's not the odds makers that are playing the game out there. We've got, uh, you know, I think you've, you've seen a new team that we put together. We have eight new players on our roster this year that we uh, didn't have starting the year last year. We've got a new coach. And what if McDavid or Crosby get seriously hurt? That could change everything. And let's remember that the Penguins beat 14-1 to 1 odds to win the Cup two years ago. But 90-1 to 1 is a long way from there. So Canuck ticket prices are on the way down in some parts of the building. Some of the lower demand areas, so we brought those prices down. You know, In some of the higher demand areas, the prices have remained flat or even gone up slightly. So if you're a Canucks fan, not so good. But if you're a fan of hockey, this is actually good news. Because perhaps this year, you'll get to see some of the greatest talent on ice at a discount. Of course, one of the advantages of having 90 to 1 odds against you of winning the Stanley Cup is that the pressure's off and it's a lot easier to exceed expectations.
2: Chris, Sophie? Absolutely right, Ted. So let's see if they can and will this season. Good luck to them as they begin. Well, it's a big day for us here at Global, our fifth annual. Thanks for giving campaign, benefiting food banks across B.C.
3: In a moment, we will take you to one of our donation centers and tell you just how easy it is to contribute. But first, Linda Aylesworth on the always-growing need for food banks and what they really need to get the job done.
8: 14,000 people pass through the doors of the Surrey Food Bank every month. People like Lynn.
12: Give me something
8: Lynn and her husband live off a small disability pension. And so every two weeks, as often as is allowed,
13: she fills her cart here. My money goes to the rents, so I have no food. So it's important to us to have the food bank.
8: The people that use the food bank are just people like you and I. They may have just lost their job. They may have uh, fallen ill. One of their family members has fallen ill. Uh, they've lost their business. It costs $1.5 million annually to keep the doors open. It's all collected in the community. Then there are the donations of actual food. Four million pounds of it each year. But while the donors' intentions are good, the food often isn't. Open packages, broken packages, uh, not commercially packaged items, uh, out-of-date soup, out-of-date meal in a tin. What they need is canned protein, pasta, pasta sauce, canned vegetables, things from the supermarket, not the back of your cupboard. What you would eat is what your neighbor would eat, so please donate things that are amenable to you. You can't go wrong with cash donations, because the food bank can make purchases at wholesale, even below wholesale prices. With cash, it actually goes farther, so we can actually purchase the items that we truly need, things like milk and eggs for our baby program, things like formula. Uh, rice uh, protein we're actually starting to purchase more and more fresh produce what's important is that you give a purchase that you might take for granted is a godsend for someone else if we didn't have that we'll be starving linda Aylesworth, global news
2: all right now let's talk about how you can help and our
3: Kasia paderka is live at the friends in need food bank in maple ridge tonight kasha how's it going
16: down there Oh, it's been a fabulous day. Thank you so much. It's been such a success. We've had beautiful weather and so many people dropped by. We had the local fire department here as well, wrangling up folks. And you know what? They have raised over $11,000 just at this location alone, as well as over 2,800 pounds of food. So a huge success it was. We're joined now by the executive director of the programs here, Friends in Need Food Bank. This is Mary Robson. Mary, I think a lot of people, you know, we may have an idea of who we're helping but paint us the picture who are we helping when we're donating uh, on a day like today
7: well we can put it into numbers that 33 percent of our clients are children 18 and under 17 yes. percent are seniors and that number is growing that's it, yeah. yeah, so
16: and it's so important. You were talking about self-actualization. You were talking about the fact that this is basic needs. Speak to that, please.
7: Well, it's food security. If you don't have a, a source for your your nutrition for your food, then yeah, you're facing other barriers that you just can't deal with.
16: Certainly. Um, okay. So if you want to help, it's still not too late. There's always a need. Please do text the word food to four ten ten. You can donate online or drop by here. We're we'll, we're here till seven at the Friends of need food bank uh in maple ridge back to you guys thank
2: you all right thanks uh thanks kasha couldn't be simpler couldn't be simpler to text
3: and thanks for giving yes messages of hate where you should only find peace a global news investigation reveals disturbing content on the website of a charity linked to a port coquitlam mosque
2: and a major donation to help solve the mystery of dementia
3: New questions tonight about a Port Coquitlam mosque that we first told you about last week. The Islamic Society of BC had been under scrutiny by the Canada Revenue Agency over connections to a foundation based in Qatar alleged to have supported terrorism. Global investigative reporter Stuart Bell joins us with more on this. You uh, discovered some troubling links on the society's website. What did you find, Stuart?
2: Yeah, that's right. The uh, the charity's homepage linked directly to a Saudi website. That not only contained a lot of derogatory comments about Jews, but it called for a so-called Islamic Jihad against them.
3: And now you reached out to the society to talk about this. What was their response when you raised it with them?
2: Well, the charity has declined to speak to us, uh, but after we approached them yesterday, they did remove this link from their website.
3: So, as we reported last week, Stuart, the CRA had been looking into the society's relationship to the Eid Foundation in Qatar, which is alleged to have terrorist ties. Now, we do have to point out, the agency didn't impose any penalties specific to that connection. But regarding this website, is there anything the CRA or any other authority can do about what was posted?
2: Well, the CRA has not yet answered our questions, uh, but a national Jewish organization is calling for an investigation, since this is, after all, a federally registered charity.
3: All right, Stuart, we'll see what the CRA uh, says in the days to come, if they do indeed respond to you. Thanks for that. Stuart Bell joining us from Toronto.
2: Vancouver continues to struggle with an affordability crisis, but this is going to help a little. The city unveiling a new social housing development today. The building on the 1100 block of Seymour has 81 non-market rental homes for singles, couples, families and seniors. The project was financed by a partnership of the city and developers like Wall Financial.
1: We have a goal to get uh, a thousand more units comparable to this built by the end of next year. That's what's in the works right now. We, uh, we've been working really hard under this model. If we get more support from provincial and federal government, it'll be more affordable. We can get more affordable units across the city, but right now we're on track to deliver just about 1,000 units of social housing over the next 14 months.
2: The building also provides office space for 4 nonprofit organizations.
3: Well, among the many health challenges we face with our aging population, dementia can be the most heartbreaking for a family.
2: It's hoped that a huge private donation in Victoria will lead to a major improvement in diagnosis and treatment. Nitu Garcha explains how it will help.
0: Hey, Doug. About 50 million people worldwide are living with dementia. It's
5: a very difficult uh, diagnosis to hear.
0: And on Vancouver Island, health professionals say there's a rising tide of cases, many of them advanced and complex.
15: The interior of BC and the island have twice the aging population that the lower mainland has, so I mean this is this is one of our top priorities now. It has to be.
0: That's why there's so much excitement over a major research project announced Thursday at Royal Jubilee
17: Hospital in Victoria. The project will aim to expand clinical trial opportunities for patients with dementia, including studies of invest. Investigation on new drugs that are not currently available on the island
0: island health says the five-year project will mean specialized treatment plans for various types of dementia developing new technology that allows doctors to access a range of patient symptom outcome and care information from a single real-time database and creating state-of-the-art digital tools for early diagnosis
15: it's a devastating diagnosis to give And so you have to have it right. And the research that's being contemplated here turns it into a science to to make sure you have as much evidence to to make it accurately.
0: Something Neil Manning knows all too well. His wife was diagnosed with dementia two years ago. And it's this philanthropist couple that's funding the new research
5: with a $2.5 million donation. When they described it to us that it was a way in which we could uh, get research back into patient care more rapidly than just by the traditional research methodologies that that resonated with us.
0: And while there's no word on how soon the new technologies will be available for family doctors to use, this research is already providing new hope for patients and families. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Victoria.
2: Big problem. Glad they're working on it. Freedom is fleeting for some convicts on the run.
0: The entire hallway was... Full of five police officers
2: why two fugitives from edmonton should have put a little more thought into their escape later
3: and it must have seemed like a nightmare where the sleeping homeowner ended up when this train crashed through his bedroom thanksgiving weekend fast approaching and back to our thanks for giving campaign for bc's food banks let's check in on another of our donation centers
2: samantha falk is at the surrey food bank sam the people of surrey always step up how's it going there
17: It is going pretty well. I just got a very latest total. $11,000, 2,000 pounds of food have come in so far today. I think we can do a little bit better than that because this is an institution here. The Surrey Food Bank has been around since 1983. Next year, it's going to mark 35 years in this community. Just to give you some stats, 14,000 people are served out of the Surrey Food Bank every single month. That is about 200 to 220 families every single day give you an idea of some of the clientele. It's seniors, it's people who are working, who are having a little bit of trouble, uh, and 41% of the clients are children. Now, if you'd like to make a donation, we are here till 7 o'clock tonight. They're looking for things like baby formula, canned veggies, canned fruit, uh, pasta, pasta sauce, protein. You can bring any of that down. But, of course, you can also donate money, and your cash goes Farther. So let's talk about that. It's really easy to donate some money. You can go to our website, of course, globalnews.ca. And the easiest way, I think, to donate is to text the word food to 41010. Food to 41010. It will then prompt you for a monetary donation. Super simple. The money will just be added to your phone bill. So please. Be generous. It is Thanksgiving weekend coming up, and so if you can find it in your hearts to give, that would be great.
3: And I know our viewers and our listeners on CKNW will, Mm -hmm. for sure. All right, thanks very much, Sam.
2: A freight train derails straight into a house. The miraculous survival story coming up right after the weather forecast.
3: And the weather forecast now brought to you by Christy Gordon. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Not a the lovely fooding. sunset once again.
18: Yes. It, we're just at about that time where quarter to seven, yeah, the sun is just starting to set. Uh, you know what? Actually, this is a really good reminder. Um, sunset time and sunrise time is getting closer and closer to the peak commuting hours, which makes it really difficult at times to be able to see certainly pedestrians as well. So keep that in mind. We are getting to that time where it makes uh, the uh, driving, especially during those hours where the sun is is setting or rising makes it a little bit more difficult. It was a beautiful day out there today. The hot spot was in Langley at 21 degrees, but you can see the Fraser Valley mostly at 20 degrees. Surrey hit that as well. Near the water, certainly cooler. At The airport only hitting 16 degrees. Now, these temperatures are just 2 to 3 degrees above average, but beautiful conditions. We are going to drop tomorrow, and the reason for that is the nice upper-level ridge from the jet stream, that's what this arrow indicates, the jet stream has now shifted into the east, into Alberta, and it's allowing for the cold fronts and any other system to make its way in. So yes, we will see rain by tomorrow afternoon here across the south coast, along with windy conditions. So here's the timeline. I stopped that motion at 2 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, and you can see that that cold front has swung right down into our region. Now, those of you in the southern interior, mostly dry through your day tomorrow. You can see a little bit of a dry patch right in through there. The rain will push into your area tomorrow evening, though. So just a little bit later than the rest of us. And for your Saturday, in behind the cold front, still unsettled conditions, and that means we'll see mainly cloudy skies, possible breaks in the clouds here and there, but still a good chance of showers for your Saturday. It's after that that you have some good news in store for you, and I'll show you that in a second. Bulk of the rainfall across the north coast and windy conditions, areas from Prince George south, Quinell, Williams Lake, over towards Vailmont. I've kept in a risk of thunderstorms for you as that cold front swings across. It certainly could kick that up. Through the afternoon hours. As I mentioned, mainly dry through the southern interior, but you'll see the rain tomorrow evening and it will continue into your Saturday and South Coast. First of all, pushing into the northern parts of Vancouver Island, then swinging down into areas across the south. So for Metro Vancouver, you can expect the rain by early afternoon hours. Still unsettled on Saturday, but the latter part of your long weekend and Thanksgiving Monday, looking beautiful with tons of sunshine. Okay, happy birthday to Mary Roberts, 111, and I had a look that isn't the oldest the oldest is actually 112 but she is getting up there so mary roberts congratulations to you and joy cowper smith turning 100 and an anniversary 70th year of nick and betty dick so congratulations to you and our weather window leave you with the leave you with this spectacular scene pat harrington Esquimalt lagoon and the one lone spinnaker in red there love that shot
2: that is beautiful thanks very much christy Well, a train derailment in Atlanta, Georgia, and a survival story the neighbors could hardly believe.
1: Train has came off the track, y'all,
7: into this man's house.
3: 14 of the train's 190 cars derailed at three in the morning, sending at least one car right through the bedroom of a 45-year-old retired Marine. Neighbors feared the worst until they heard him yelling for help. They found him outside of his house and inside one of the empty rail cars. He was taken to hospital, but incredibly, his only injury was to his leg.
2: Dodged a bullet there. Dodged a train. And a train. Yeah. Dodged a
15: train. <laughs> oh, that's right.
3: <laughs> Somehow ended up in it.
15: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Squire's here now. I am. Um Canucks start their season on Saturday? Lions are playing on Saturday, too. They'll play three hours before. And in order to make the playoffs, the Lions are going to need their offense to come to life now.
12: We need to find ways to just stay on the field.
15: Because with this group of receivers, there is no way this offense should be struggling.
2: And they got away once, but not twice. Where else would you find a couple of escape artists than right here?
15: Controversy in the NFL. We'll talk about that in a moment. It has nothing to do with national anthems either. Um, Lost in all the talk about who would make the Canucks and who wouldn't was the goaltending situation. We didn't talk much about that. And it's different than in years past, because in years past, there was an established veteran in the mix. Jacob Markstrom, Anders nilsson they aren't rookies. But they also are not seasoned veteran number ones either. And while Markstrom has the edge to be number one to start the season, Nilsson could easily take the job away from him. In other words, nothing is set in net.
2: I think with where our organization's at, with the two goalies, we don't have a guy that's been a starter. Um... You know, Ryan Miller's been a starter a long time in the league. Luongo's been a starter a long time in the league and, and really good ones. And, uh, you know, I hope we have a situation where it's really hard to decide who to play. But I just think with where our team's at right now, you know, it's too early to tell.
15: Well, whomever the Canucks goalie is Saturday will face Connor McDavid and the Oilers. And last night... Connor McDavid started the uh, season with three goals, including one where he shows that he was given all the gifts in one package. He has the feet, he has the hands, he has the head, and they all move at the same speed. And very few have had those three gifts together. Pavel Bure was one of them. Look at this. Look at the speed. What's most impressive, though, is how he gets so close to the net before he makes his move. We have to slow it down to show you. And Mike Smith is just covered in snow after that. Mm -hmm. Brilliant from Connor McDavid. Well, the BC Lions are back this week for a game Saturday at home against Ottawa. Four o'clock start. That makes room for the Canucks game at seven. So it shouldn't be full-on parking Armageddon, just partial Armageddon. Uh, Whatever the case, BC needs to get back to the way they played before the start or make that back to the way they played at the start of the season. They also need to play up to the hype that their offense was generating before the season ever, ever began. Because we want to believe the hype, and it's time to make it happen.
13: Second and six, going deep for Chris Williams in stride.
5: This is the kind of play the Lions envisioned would be commonplace when they acquired Chris Williams as a free agent. But this is Williams' only touchdown, a garbage-time score in a blowout loss at Saskatchewan. Williams is coming off ACL surgery and has only played seven games, but it's obvious he hasn't had the explosive effect that everyone on the Lions was hoping for.
2: you got to find a balance. You've got to find a, a rhythm with the whole, you know, fitting him into the scheme. And that's the biggest thing is uh, we've been trying to find
18: that balance, trying to find ways that we can get him to football. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not always easy.
9: You know, getting more opportunities is definitely be uh, be something that I look forward to for sure. But, uh, you know, that, that goes hand in hand, man. We all got to do our job to get to get those uh, plays to happen. The
5: Lions just haven't been able to put it all together offensively. It's been either player mistakes, penalties, or turnovers. Something gets in their way. That's why they've lost five of six, scoring just 15 points per game in those losses.
12: For us right now, is staying on the field and actually scoring points. So... That's what's been actually hurting us all season. The team needs a boost, something to get them
5: excited, like a big return on special teams. Chris Rainey made that happen regularly last year. This season, he's been tentative, averaging just eight yards per return and no touchdowns.
9: I mean, I just go back that back out there like I used to play in play fearless, and basically I just got to hit it and don't think about nothing. Just do whatever I can to help you win.
5: The Lions will likely have to win four of their last five to have any shot at making the playoffs, and it all starts Saturday versus Ottawa. I, I feel like we have one of those teams that that is able to, to to fight and claw when when their backs are against the wall, and and uh, only time will tell. We uh, we have the right guys in the room. It's just about
9: uh, us putting the good game plans together and those guys going down and executing. You know, we've lost five out of the last seven, and we've got to turn that around. And the only way to turn that around is to go out there and play good football. The only way to play good football is to play confident football. You've got to believe in yourself and your abilities and go out there and execute.
5: Very delay global sports.
15: So Vancouver is one of the uh, Canadian cities, cities, make that, that is still in the running to host a few games for the 2026 World Cup, which will almost certainly go to the United bid of the U.S., Canada and Mexico. The U.S. will get 60 of 80 games, including all the playoff games. It would be shocking if this stadium didn't host a couple of first-round games. One thing I have to point out, though, is with the Men's World Cup, different than the Women's World Cup, B.C. Place and every other field is going to have to grow grass. Now, they don't have to actually grow grass, but they're going to have to put grass over turf. It's very doable. I know the Women's World Cup was made to play an artificial turf. There is no way the men will play an artificial turf. So all stadiums with artificial turf who want to host World Cup games are going to have to put grass over top of the turf. They did it in 94 when the uh, World Cup was in the U.S. the first time. Uh, Speaking of World Cup, England trying to qualify. All they need is a win here against Slovenia. Injury time, and they get the goal. Harry Kane. So England qualifies for the World Cup in Russia. And Germany against Northern Ireland. The defending champs also just need a win here. And they get it. look at this goal, Sebastian Rudy. This was a minute and a half into the game. Germans win 3-1, so they are also guaranteed a spot in the next World Cup of Soccer. So yesterday, Panthers quarterback Cam Newton laughed at a female reporter's question because she was female. Today, he said he made a mistake. He said he was very disrespectful to her, and he apologized. Before that apology, a yogurt company immediately cancelled its sponsorship deal with Newton because of what he had said. Now there's another twist to this story. The reporter who was disrespected today, she put out an apology for offensive tweets that she made four to five years ago. Red Sox-Astros, game one, ALDS, not a good sign. Eduardo Nunes being carried off the field with a knee injury. It just gets worse for the Red Sox. They have their ace, Chris Sale, and Jose Altuve hits two home runs off of him and three in total in this game. I love Altuve. You know why? He's only five feet, six inches tall, mm-hmm. ah. but that guy can monster mash. He's
8: shorter than you.
15: He is shorter than me, but he's slightly better at baseball. Anyway, the Astros have a 1-0 you win. You hit the ball. It's the you, only difference. You just chose to have I chose a career to career watch athletes, that. not be an athlete. There's a difference.
2: Hey, you'd think if you just escaped from jail, the last place you'd want to be is locked up. But we've got one case that proves otherwise next.
18: Coming up on ET Canada, everything you need to know about the new Bachelor spinoff show. Plus, Jacob Tremblay opens up about, you know, his life as a Hollywood star and how Hanson is celebrating a major milestone with new music. That is all coming up at seven right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you guys.
2: All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, it was an intense search in Edmonton. Two prisoners with a history of violence had escaped and were on the loose.
3: As Global's Fletcher Kent reports, you might not believe where they were caught if it weren't on surveillance video.
19: Jonathan and Rebecca Liao are used to escapees. It's their bread and butter. But Tuesday night, that was different. They came downstairs, asked sort of what we do. We told them we're an escape room facility. At the counter were escaped convicts, Samantha Toop and Kelsey Main, who broke out of prison the day before. The Liao's didn't recognize them, so...
0: I brought them around uh, this way to uh, the room that we have down here in the corner.
19: She showed them around.
0: Lots of secrets in this particular room.
19: There are more secrets and surprises out
11: front. I didn't think anything particular of it. Heard some more footsteps come down and a police officer came down.
19: The officer asked if two women recently arrived. Liao said, yes. He stepped to the stairwell, called for some backup on the radio, and then went around the corner. Help arrived, and it kept coming.
0: By the time they took one step back, and I took one step back to perhaps lead them down to one of the other rooms, uh, the entire hallway was full of five police officers.
19: The first escape was over before the second had begun. Ironic, somewhat funny. The five officers walked the escaped cons out of the escape room in handcuffs. The Liao's just watched and waved goodbye. A day later, after learning who the women were, they chuckle about it, wondering if their escape rooms are too difficult.
0: Sort of was funny to think that uh, they weren't going to escape from an escape room. Definitely not as challenging here as I assume escaping from jail would be, so um, I'm not sure what that says about their escape rate.
19: Fletcher Kent, Global News.